I'm Matt Swain, and you're listening to the Reimagining Communications podcast, where we discuss the opportunities and challenges facing companies on the road to optimizing their communications for the future. Today, I'm joined by Bernie Gracie, Chief Digital Officer at Ajiro. Bernie, thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Matt. So, Bernie, before we get to the exciting work that you're doing with Ajiro, give us a little context for the 30 years of technology experience that led you there. 30 years sounds like a long time, but it seems like yesterday. I've had the opportunity to be part of, I'll call say, five major digital transformations in my career. Some of them are pure B2B, some are B2E, business to employee, some are B2C in the context of the consumer, and some are B2B, you know, big business and a constellation of smaller businesses. So uh, coming out of college, I worked for a company called Micronosis, where we basically did a B2B digital transformation of the trading floor. Think of Wall Street. My big one, I think, is still UPS. That was uh, three, threefold, B2B, B2E, and B2C. The transformation of how they did digital data capture and logistics synchronization. When UPS was delivering packages, they used to have this physical clipboard, and they would show up, and then you would, they would write down the tracking number, and then you would sign it, and the piece of paper would get soaking wet or it would get lost. But in the days of, of, the, of the internet and e-commerce, that data became more important than the package itself. And so that digital data capture was key in not only how uh, shippers and receivers synchronized uh, uh, commerce, but how UPS would work with its unionized employees. And think about, you know, I get a package with, a, I get an Alexa notification because people don't sign for packages anymore. They're just dropped off. And then you get a notification that sets your front step. So that was a major digital transformation that's obviously been, been quite durable. Matt, when I met you, it's when I was at Pitney Bowes. And we were focusing in on one, one part of that uh, career, on the B2B and B2C digitalization and transactional content, thinking of the work with Volley or uh, Australia Post. I then went to Simpress, and we basically built a B2B mass customization platform to connect e-commerce demand generation with manufacturing capacity. Think Vistaprint and the branded communications they do for SMBs, business cards, posters, and promotional items. And most recently at Ajero, which encompasses all four, B2C, B2E, B2B, and B2B, a complete digital transformation of a white label roadside assistance business. It is breathtaking in scope and impact. Yeah, I love how you, you followed through on that. And, and maybe just give us a little bit more background on Ajero and what you're doing there. Yeah, Ajero is a, a leader. Think about this like with the Intel inside for uh, roadside assistance. We're a white label driver assistance service. It's, it, we have roadside assistance, accident management, connected vehicle services. I can basically request a tow right inside my Jeep, right? And a major consumer affairs portfolio. And we deliver this through insurance policies, auto warranties, and other programs. What we do is we have amazing people and amazing technology, and we push the limits of this roadside experience. And we do this by strengthening our clients' relationship with our customers. Here's some, here's some amazing stats, Matt. We support two-thirds of new vehicles on the road, two-thirds. We support two-thirds of the top auto insurers. We support over 115 million consumers, and we're servicing 12 million roadside and accident management events each year. And we are leading this transformation in this industry. It's very exciting. It's one of those companies that, as a consumer or a driver on the road, I don't think I 
I hear the name that often, but it's it's because you're you're doing a lot of your work directly through the the businesses that you're serving, right? Yeah, it's actually a really important point. And as we think about our transformation, we are the insurance company. We are the automotive company. They, you know, that the relationship, these brands are trusting us to handle their customer in their urgent time of need. If I think about the high volume transaction output market, we used to talk about a bill as a monthly appointment. The it could be the only touch point uh, insurer has with a customer. Well, in, in our experience, that when uh, a customer is calling for roadside assistance, that could be the very first time that it matters, right? Because they are stuck on the side of the road. They need to get to work. They need to be able to maybe get to a hospital, think COVID. And they are depending on that insurance company or that automotive company to get them back on the road. And that client is depending on us to make that happen in a uniquely branded experience. Excellent. And talk to me about your role and, and, and how you've taken that experience over the last 30 years into this role um, and what insights you maybe have been able to borrow from some of those other industries served and, and problems you've solved. Yeah, my role has evolved um, even in the, in the time of three years. It started out, I would say, almost two-thirds CIO, one-third CDO, because there's a, a, obviously a substantially large technology footprint to make this work. But their role has evolved. So it's not only technology, but it's consumer experience, product management, client implementation, client delivery, architecture, our back office, program management, and yes, the technology around our key platform assets. So it's really focusing in on that consumer experience side and the client experience side and making the technology work, especially as we evolve our next generation technology. So it's the question everyone's asking. How has COVID-19 impacted your business? What are you seeing relative to changes in the way that your customers need to be served or want to be served and how you're evolving your own business to better serve them? I'll be short, but it's a sort of a multidimensional answer. You know, the first is from the clients. One of our insurance companies called up and said, you know, we want to have a special experience for healthcare workers that when they call, we want to make sure that they have an amazing experience and get them back on the road, even with, you know, I'll call like white glove handling because they're heroes and we need to get them to the hospital, right, to be able to serve patients. And that was something that we were able to turn around literally within hours because of our digital transformation of what we've done with our platform. So obviously there's less people driving, um, but, you know, we've been able to tailor experiences literally in real time because of what we've done. The second is that B2E component. We have a large, substantial physical footprint. We have contact centers, right, that people are trained to call, right? If you think about your insurance card or the sticker inside your door for roadside assistance call, right? Now, we have done amazing things to digitalize that experience, which I can talk about in a bit, but people's reaction is to call, But from a safety perspective, we had to get our people home. Now, we typically, they work in a contact center. And we were working on a 250-person work-from-home pilot that we were basically going to ramp up over six months. We got everyone in home in a week, fully operational, no impact on service levels, no impact on quality. Why? Because we had been migrating to the cloud and everything being virtual. We just went a lot faster because of this, but because of the work we had done, we had gotten it ready. 
I've heard similar stories where they said, thank goodness we had this pilot underway and we were able to scale up. Yes. Uh, or we had already thought through this. And, and at the same time, there are the stories of the companies that just really had not embraced the cloud or hadn't even thought about the remote workforce. Can you speak from you know, your experience across markets, how you think employers and, and organizations that had not embraced the cloud in the past are, are shifting their perspective with, with what we're going through today? Yeah, I, I have to tell you, I think they're paying a, a price. I'm extraordinarily proud of my team, I first want to say. And it's been interesting. I have been now on as a, a featured speaker on three different webinars for CIOs across the country about what we've accomplished. Uh, the last one was with 57 CIOs, with also with my head of uh, Tech Shared Services. And people you know, have been asking, how did you do it? And we basically walked through about how we operate internally and how basically we've been getting ready for this for three years. And it's because we have this amazing relationship with both our legal department and our operations team that we were able to do this. And because we embraced the cloud early and made that part of being a cloud-first company, it was key to our ability to basically radically scale in case of that demand. I think the other thing is, is that our company is about weather. And before there were pandemics, there were polar vortices. And our key concern was, what if people can't get to work? So we have contact centers and people are driving to a contact center, but what if the roads are icy or snowing? We still need to provide service. So we drove this whole work from home pilot as a business continuity disaster recovery play so that we could maintain service in the case of weather. So that was, the, that was basically the key driver. We don't have any planned downtime. We can't be down. And because of the leadership and operations and our technology, our legal department, and our amazing people, we were ready. And so when, when the call came, we were done in a week. And it's been an amazing thing to watch. And we continue to operate with, with excellence. Well, congratulations on that. Yeah, I think the, the, the other key thing for us, which has been transformative, this gets into the, you know, we were really a B2B company and B2C that the, the B2E relationship, our agents who are heroes, by the way, was really when they were taking the telephone call and, and, and sort of getting, you know, the information about who they are, what car are they driving and where are they, location spotting is a big deal figuring out what entitlements they have based on their coverage, and then basically figuring out service. Well, we digitalize that. And one of the big things in that digitalization, uh, thinking about you know, the reimagining communications, was people are trained to pick up the phone and call. And when they're in the car, they're using their mobile phone. And we actually created what we call a visual IVR. It has both an audio component, a sort of a nudge, and a guided experience through a lightweight app that basically says, hey, we see you're calling from a, a mobile phone. Again, with their permission, can we send you a text message? And they, they say yes, and they click on that text message. It basically launches a lightweight application that captures all the information that an agent would have captured to basically figure out who they are, where they are, what are they driving, what are their entitlements, what is their, the basic breakdown, so that we can basically arrange service and then get them on their way. 25% of our volume never involves a human being. The entire intake process and dispatch process and the, and the uh, service provider showing up 
completely automated. And a vast majority is mainly digital, and any time they can connect to an agent. But our, we are constantly refining the experience so that we are, you know, we basically have a funnel, and that digitalization just continues to go up and up and up. We became a B2C company, and we're really proud of what we've accomplished. The last part, though, is that we have basically exposed our platform, uh, not only organically what we had, but also through a critical acquisition we made in California, into a portfolio of services, APIs, that now the major insurance companies, automotive companies, are building apps. And using our APIs, they can create these very tailored experiences on their application to do the exact same thing, whether that be in the vehicle or with an insurance companies uh, or OEMs mobile application. So we are truly an omni-channel environment. You know, one thing that struck me was your, your comment about how 25% of the traffic doesn't include a, a call center representative. I've been having conversations around the market about how this pandemic is affecting businesses and in the way that they want to communicate with with their customers. And one of the things that really resonated was in time of crisis, the consumer wants the comfort of of speaking to a human being and wants that that opportunity. And they don't care about your robo-advisor. They don't care about your chatbot assistant. They want to know that they can connect and have that human connection and and have that comfort, and and you you did address that in saying, you know, when at any time they can choose to connect to the agent. But I'd just be curious your take on that. That finding that balance of being human while also leveraging new technologies to better support your client base. Yeah. So, in, in, if you think about our business, we're kind of an emergency services business. And, you know, there, there may be a situation where you've got someone with a health emergency in the vehicle, or I've got little kids in the car, or it's hot out and I don't have water, where people want to be able to provide additional information that you have to be able to provide that experience. So, you know, we're not in the business of slamming people into a channel. It's like, if you need to be able to get service, we're going to do that. And, uh, and we, we take pride in that. But it also says we know we provide better service in location spotting and the rest by having them to go digital. So we are constantly measuring as well as having focus groups and working with our clients and, and, and focus groups with customers on how do we optimize that. So we think we've really optimized that mix and, and, and continue to push it forward. And Bernie, you said something really important there. You said you're providing a better experience digitally. And I, I find that so often businesses are trying to push their their consumer base to digital, yet they're not focusing on how to improve and optimize that experience. Yeah, it's, it's actually really important. Um, one of the things I, I always tell my boss and, and colleagues, digital experience is never done. It's an ongoing process of optimization. I think a lot of this is uh, from my experience at Simpress. Simpress, if you think, um, has a portfolio of brands, one of them Vistaprint. And there's an obsession with uh, understanding the e-commerce experience. Like, what did people dwell on? What did they look at? What went into the shopping cart? Why did they abandon the shopping cart? And so they would build these funnels, these e-commerce funnels, obsessing about what is that experience and looking to drive conversion. So we do the same thing at Ajero. 
where we basically have built a similar funnel because we want them to have an amazing experience where they enter the experience where they said, yes, I'll be willing to take a text message and start this, uh, this lightweight application. At the end, we want a tow truck to show up, all right? And to show up at the right place at the right time and have an amazing experience. And so when people don't, uh, are not through that digital experience, when they decide to go out to an agent or to go out through some alternative means, we wanna understand why that's the case. And we are just constantly focusing on, on that is, and we, we do this with our client interactions. We have customer focus groups, and we are instrumenting all of these experiences and using that data to our product management people to basically then tune the experience. We do a lot of A-B testing and multivariate testing, and, and our job is to get better and better, not only for us, but as a white label provider, to create a great experience on behalf of our clients. Great perspective. Thank you. It's amazing in your, your point of your question about COVID. All these traditional brick and mortar companies, or even churches, if you think about, you know, we just went through the, you know, the, the main holy days. Uh, I'll say the mainline religions who would say, we were always brick and mortar. Now they've discovered digital and some are doing it amazingly. Or your, your small uh, takeout place has now said, I've got to figure out touchless delivery and, and, and a touchless payment scheme because no one's going to want to, hold my credit card and come even to take a payment. And so really what it comes down to is that people had to reimagine the customer experience in real time. And I think what's going to be even more amazing is what happens after this. I think consumer behavior is going to change forever. And that people are, the consumers are going to be so used to these digital experiences that if you have not embraced this, if you have not basically built that relationship, consumers are going to go. It is a disruptively transformational event uh, around COVID. Uh, someone, an analyst just said that e-commerce has moved ahead five to 10 years ahead of forecast. Five to 10 years. And just what, in five weeks? It is amazing. What is happening? I couldn't agree more. I think the the norms that are being created as a result of of what's going on today are showing people that maybe have been more reticent to change in the past, or are showing regulators who have been more reticent to change regulations in the past that we can function as a society in this way, in some way. Now, certainly, I'm thinking of the way communications will be when we go back and what that new norm is. And I, d- I do think that there, it, it's tough to say we can't be virtual for all of these things that we've now figured out how to be virtual for. And, and at the same time, there is a balance and there's a, there's a craving for that in-person experience. A lot of people are saying, I can't wait to just interact with people again. I can't wait to sit down and have a coffee in the coffee shop. And I think there, there are those, those pieces that they're missing but at the same time, many consumers are realizing that this is changing their habits in some way, shape, or form for the long term. Think about uh, today, at the, when we're recording, the Supreme Court is doing its first virtual hearing. They will not be arguing in the building. They'll be doing it online. It's amazing. You know, I think about our own transformation with this company. We were a contact center company, grew up as a contact center company. We've been focusing on digital interaction with our clients and our, our customers, but now we're basically a virtual company. 
right? We're using Slack and Zoom and other collaboration technology. Uh, we're doing this uh, podcast with uh, collaboration technology. And it's been interesting, as I talk to my colleagues, we've all recognized that the clock speed of how we're operating, we've become more productive. And as you talk about, yeah, we want to, we're looking forward to seeing each other, but we're also saying, wait a minute, we're like even more productive now. What's the mix between how often do we need to be in the office? And, you know, can we, sure. do, we can do a mix? And, and teams are talking about maybe the team can vote about how can we operate better. It's, it's been amazing to watch. Um, like I said, everything has changed. Everything has changed. It's exciting. So let's stick with that because I think if we look in the world of communications and the way that, that we've looked at how, how businesses communicate with their, their customers and how customers expect to be able to communicate with their providers, I asked the question of most every guest uh, re- relative to how communications will evolve in the coming years. But th- the question does take on new meaning as we think about the disruption of COVID-19 and the new communications norms setting in. Expand on your thoughts as we go forward. You said e-commerce just leapfrogged five or 10 years of projections of, of, of growth. Where else do you anticipate the biggest shifts in communications approaches will happen in the next two, three, five years from now? So one of the biggest announcements, and this gets into communications and privacy, I look at where companies are basically replacing the role of government. Think about what Google is doing with Apple and to basically facilitate contract tracing globally. They're now saying, how do we leverage our footprint and leveraging Bluetooth and and obviously uh, broadband communications and now privacy concerns to basically create a global network to basically assure and to facilitate communication to say, hey, you might have been exposed to COVID. Think about this. Basically, these two behemoths are enabling anonymous communications of critical real-time information, I think is uh, clearly an example of a transformational moment that is fraught with privacy concerns. I can also imagine as people reestablish physical borders, I can imagine certain countries may say, hey, you now at, at, at customs or immigration, you're not only going to go through immigration, you're going to download this app and we need to be able to track you right? For the same reason, ostensibly, but it may be for other reasons. So we're also entering a new landscape on amazing enablement and real-time communications with privacy, but also at a risk of privacy, whether it be through state actors or other bad actors. So, you know, we, we are in an unknown world um, and of, about now this ubiquitous communications, especially with 5G, uh, about where the intersection of the state bad actors, commercial entities, and consumers are all going to need to interact in whole new ways. Well, Bernie, thank you so much for the insights today. Oh, Matt, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. I'm Matt Swain. You've been listening to the Reimagining Communications podcast. To learn more about Broadridge, our insights, and our innovations, visit broadridge.com or find us on Twitter and LinkedIn. LinkedIn.